I'm Tanya Carr and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Here at Real Talk, we create space for authenticity, awareness and making a positive impact on the world around us. Real talk, real people, real stories. Ngā mahi nui ki a koutou katoa no mai hoki mai ki te kaupapa kōrero Real Talk. I'm Tania Carr and today in this episode you are going to hear the beautiful story from our girl Lucy Johnson. Now Lucy has been with the Real Talk whānau from the very beginning as our entertainment, blessing us with her beautiful voice and her energy. And it has been a pleasure, it's been a beautiful pleasure to witness her blossom into the woman that she is to the, today, the strong wahine Māori. Now Lucy took the stage at our Real Talk Monga Rangatahi event in Waikato, not only as singing for us, but also as a kai kōrero. So she took the stage and shared her story with us. She shared her struggles, her trials, her tribulations, her time as a contestant on Australian Idol alongside Stan Walker, her mental health and how connecting to her Māori tanga and her whakapapa has been an integral part of grounding her and forming her identity. Now it's important to note that there are some triggering subjects in Lucy's kōrero, so if you get triggered by this kōrero, there are some support contact numbers listed in the show notes for you to utilise. Here is Lucy's story. Ko tainui te waka, ko parahuia te maunga. Ko manga whero te awa, ko te apunga te hapu. Ko raukawa ki te kaukauroa pā te tere te iwi nui tonu. Ko paparamu te marae, ko ruru onspinga ingoa o tōku whānau. Ko Lucy Katarina Johnson tōku ingoa, ko Philly Rawa ko Laula Aku Tamariki. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. <sighs> That's the first time I've ever seen my pipika in front of people. <laughs> so I'm a little bit, you know, emotional. Anyway, I've got my phone um, with with my corded on my notes. So aroha mai, I'm going to be going between the two and then trying to talk about my, my slides too, if I remember what I put in them. <clears throat> so this building right here is... It's small but mighty, Te Aponga Marae. This is a marae that I've spent the most of my time whilst living in Aotearoa um, at, um, and this is our beautiful Waikato Awa. I learned something really interesting while I was preparing to talk tonight. I have, like we said, been at nine of these, or nine-ish, eight. I emceed a whole bunch last year and I sing at all of them, and I found out that I'm really, really, really uncomfortable with being vulnerable in front of people. So my only goal tonight is, one, not to get, like, the orchestra music played to get me off the stage. Two, hopefully not to cry, but we're not doing so well in that department already, so we'll see how we go. But vulnerability, when I looked it up and had to think about what vulnerability meant, I found this really cool quote, um, and it's, vulnerability is a state of emotional exposure that comes with a certain degree of uncertainty. 
It involves a person's willingness to accept the emotional risk that comes from being open and willing to love and be loved. The fear of vulnerability is a very common fear. Kia ora, my name is Lucy. And that's when you say, kia ora Lucy. It's not AA, but like, you know, yeah. It's not AA, but like, it might be, but anyway. I found that this is a fear that I also share. Hea ha, tu whitia te hopo mai rangatia te angi tu. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Oi, how cute am I? Okay, so I grew up as a Portiki in Alfano. I have five siblings, um, one of which who is actually here tonight, which is making me a little bit emotional to begin with. That's me, I'm the baby, cute. That's my mum, my dad, and one of my brothers isn't in that photo, but that's me, cute as, blonde as. My mum was a blonde bombshell who grew up in Tamworth, Australia, and my papa, a handsome Waikato Māori boy born in Tokaroa. I was born in Brisbane, Australia, and I did most of my schooling unaware of my whakapapa. I grew up in a very religious household, attending church every Sunday for three hours, youth group once a week, and Bible studies most weekday mornings when my mum or dad would wake me up at six o'clock and make me get out of bed. I started singing pretty much as soon as I could talk, often giving my neighbours, so we lived on like an acre, like a big property section, and like, but we're up on a hill and there's like these houses that as you go down the hill, and I'd have, I was on the tramp, and I'd jump on the tramp, and I'd sing Whitney Houston as loud as I could, and I didn't realise that our neighbours could hear me until one of the neighbours who went to church with us literally like said to my mum, ah, oh, she's, she's pretty loud, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. But for me, coming from a whānau of creatives, I have two siblings that, that sing. I have siblings that paint. Actually, three siblings that sing, paint, own businesses. They're very resourceful. We're very resourceful. The Johnson whānau, we will do the things. And it really fostered a drive in me to make my life revolve around music and creativity. Growing up in a strict religion meant a lot of standards and boxes to fit into. Dress a certain way, maybe don't be too much of this, a little bit less of that. And it often meant that I felt trapped into an ideal that didn't authentically feel like me. Always having a little sort of itch that none of these ideals really scratched. Not so cute. As I got older, and the same age as probably most of you guys here, a lot of my frustration started presenting itself in toxic coping mechanisms. I actually can't believe I'm showing you these because I had these in a folder on Facebook, like on the only me setting, so no one could see these anymore. Um, But this was when I first experienced what mental health really meant. I started a, a very destructive cycle of rebel, harm, and repeat. And I slipped into bouts of depression and anxiety seeking external validation in any space that I could, feeling like I was living a bit of a double life, saving all my lunch putia to lie to my parents, bunk school, binge drink a lot, and I'm so sorry, mum, if you're watching this, for a short period of time, I did also sell drugs. And I did all of this and just made sure I made it to church on Sunday. 
my parents, uh, bless their souls, actually uh, did all that they could to give me emotional intelligence. Um, my mum is very big on knowing why you feel the way that you feel. Um, but for me at this point, I was a bit too far gone, if I'm honest. I was failing pretty much all of my classes, arguing with pretty much all of my teachers, and I was consistently well-known uh, in the principal's office. And for someone who was actually quite intelligent, I didn't see the point in achieving high or using any of my potential. I had very little direction, and I only enjoyed any creative classes that I was allowed to take because I actually got banned from taking a couple of classes because of arguments. Um, my music teacher, seeing some sort of spark in me, encouraged me and pushed me to sing at any opportunity that I could at school. This sparked my little girl dreams and recognizable safe space to channel my emotions and my passions to feel not just the hard but also the good. And I started to apply myself heavily in these spaces, excelling in drama, music, and art. I weaved all of these artistic spaces to tell stories and to channel my energy. I was put forward to audition for a statewide variety show that would be televised. I was successful and finally felt momentum and hope for something to work towards. I later went on to win a Queensland State Award for Excellence in Music from that particular show, and it propelled me into being given my next opportunity, auditioning for a little TV show called Australian Idol. Yeah, surprise! <laughs> so 2009. 2009, Lucy. Yeah, cool. I was 16 when I did Australian Idol. I was turning 17 that year. I was in my last year of high school. And there were six of us that did um, Creative Generation was the other variety show that I did. And six of us went on from that to audition uh, for the executive producer of Australian Idol. And I was the only one that got to go stand in front of the three judges, which is that one up the top. I pretty much put in my head that this was it. This was my opportunity to crack it and make music my career in life. Um, I was full send, absolute full sent myself into this opportunity. And for a bit of context, my older sister and my older brother auditioned for Australian Idol at different periods of time. And I think the furthest one of them got was like top 100 week. So my only goal was to get further than them. And I did. I did. I gave myself no other option but to either win or get a record deal. Uh, I was willing to do anything to achieve the, either one of those things. I succumbed to the pressure from not only just myself but others and fell back into the toxic pattern I was cutting, disordered eating because TV put on 10 kgs and I also couldn't fit anything in the wardrobe. They were all size 6 and I was like a size 10 at the time. Bless my mum, she actually made most of my clothes for me because I couldn't um, wear anything that they provided. All of this, all the things that I was doing, I hid from not only my family, but my friends. And the only sign of anything wrong was the roller coaster of emotions and constant state of anxiousness presented as anger. 
This experience was equally amazing and hard, and I was blessed to gain lifelong friends, experience in my industry, but I tunnel visioned and started to pick myself from the inside out. I came home, returned angry, bitter, and had no self-worth. I went back to high school and my part-time job, and I felt like I had failed. I graduated. I don't know how I graduated, but they gave me the certificate, and I'm taking it. I really just didn't have any direction. Only letting my emotions come out when I was either intoxicated or exploding in anger. After months of just existing, a massive block with my brother led to my parents presenting the idea of flying me to Aotearoa to finally meet and spend time with my whānau. At the time when I got given that opportunity, it was a free holiday. And why wouldn't I take a free holiday? So I did. And that was when I first set foot in Aotearoa. I felt an immediate shift in my modi and what I know now to be my wairua and te ao Māori. For the first time, I felt like I was home. I decided within a week that I would pack up my whole life and move. I was 17 and I was living in a country away from everything that I knew, but I knew it was exactly where I needed to be. I realised being Māori meant more than a haka, more than carvings on a wall and more than a few kupu spoken around the dinner table. I did my best to feel connection but felt a longing for community and I found myself seeking out the only community that I knew back at church. I found the boxes that I was all too familiar knowing how to fit and 19-year-old Lucy made the decision to get married and start a family soon after. This whole new journey began with being a mama, something I didn't think that I ever would be and by 23 I had two PP and was running my own business, singing on the side, hustling a casual job and all of the unresolved feelings of hurt, trauma, and anger I had bottled up and thought by going back to church would be fixed exploded shortly after I gave birth to my darling daughter, Lola. I was diagnosed with severe postnatal depression and anxiety. I was suicidal, lonely, and felt cracked open with all of the darkness buried deep inside of me pouring out. I spent many, many nights staring at the sky, wondering why I was still here. My marriage was already strained and empty, and I had isolated myself. I had one single friend who became very toxic, abusive, and quite literally detrimental to my mental health. But because I had shut everyone out, including my husband at the time, I clung to this friendship as the only thing that I had. I was quite literally taking every shred of who I had left away. I gave up my music because anxiety paralyzed me and I had hit the lowest point in my life. I attempted suicide twice within the space of six months. I reached my 28th birthday with a clear plan for the third time on how I would end my life. And for my last birthday, I decided to do a hike alone up the Hakarimata stairs. If you know the Hakarimata stairs, I don't know why that was my choice for a birthday present. But I did those stairs, or 1,400 of them, one at a time, fell down a couple of flights, and very clearly remember the sound of the manu, the feeling in the trees, and knew this is why I needed to be here on my whenua. I, can accurately put, I can't accurately put into words what I felt that day. But when I reached the bottom of those stairs, having gained a shred of hope that I could do what, if I could do that, what other hard things could I do? I used the shred of hope to reach out to an old friend 
who I had pushed away and finally opened up about everything. She shook me with love, compassion and care back to the point of wanting to fight for my life and my happiness. Her care and safe space saved my life. She's here tonight. I'm not going to say her name um, because I'll cry. (laughs) But she knows who she is and I'll never be able to mihi her enough for that. I cut off the toxic friend that I had. I started to rebuild myself and my bridges with my whanau. And I sought counselling for the first time since I was a teenager. And I began the journey of healing that I'm still on today. Let's go. There we go. Look at my babies. There's so many tools about toxic relationships in a romantic sense, but there's not very many when it comes to if it's a friend or whanau. All I can say is, there's one thing I learned from that situation. You are the sum of your community and who you surround yourself with. The community I have gained since are all I could have ever dreamed of and something I almost believed I wasn't worthy of. Most of my community is actually here tonight as well, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, I slowly started to believe and find the pieces of myself I had forgotten. I enrolled at this very kura. I'm a current student. For the fourth time, adamant that I was going to pursue my music professionally and slowly rebuild. I found so much mana in my studies and realizing I wasn't only an amazing mother, but an amazing musician, creative, and a person. At the end of my first semester, because of a lot of damage caused that wasn't fixable, unfortunately, my marriage ended. And although one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life, because of how far I had come, I knew now that if I had made it through all of the above, then with the support systems that I have now, I would make it through that as well. I started to take my babies to the places that I felt peace. I started to look for the things that I needed to find. I visited my tupuna. I learned about my hapu. Having um, learned about my hapu who has a, a kura that literally only teaches about the stars and about hina. I went to the sac- my, our sacred places and I realized the strength and the mana in the lineage that I come from. I created a personal relationship with my awa. I climbed Maunga and I finally found what I had been searching for. For 29 years, I found there was never a box for me to fit. I was born to ever evolve and grow. I'm Māori and the fire had been lit long before I was born and it was up to me to fan the flames. The more that I decolonized and reconnected to my tūpuna, I found confidence for myself and we're going to move to this one before I run out of time. And I found myself here with the Real Talk Fano. My passion for contributing to be a safe space, like had been provided for me, was so strong. And what started as a joke, as an offer to take a weekend away from my kids, turned into this. I have emceed past events. I wrote the podcast song. I've recorded a podcast episode, and I'm speaking to you now tonight, two years down the track, many cities later, contributing to one of the most fulfilling experiences of my life, not only using my talent, but my voice to give afi and aroha to anyone who may have ever felt like I did. I began painting again, choosing each painting as a way to learn more about myself, my whakapapa and te ao Māori. I have been absolutely gifted with wairua filling experiences of being around rangatahi, visiting your schools, mentoring, 
and I will graduate in one year's time with a Bachelor's of Music, single, and in releasing my debut single in a few weeks' time that I wrote and have been lucky to have a whole creative community behind me cheering me on with two happy, healthy babies who I adore and motivate me to live my wildest dreams. In my second year of Kura and in closing out, I wrote a spoken word piece, and that's what I want to end on. Kulusi Tokawingwa, I am not ashamed of the blood that I bear. But strange, isn't it, that calling of home when you are unsure of what home exactly is? When your feet pace the earth beneath it, longing for the feeling of this is it, here I am. But strange, isn't it? That rising in your chest when the words come at you pierce your ears. And it feels like your whole body is about to break and soar all at once. Call Lucy Tokawingawa, I am not ashamed of the blood that I bear. I may not be fluent in my language, but I do know my mana speaks for me when I cannot. I may not have been raised with tikanga at my fingertips, but I do know that my tupuna walk with me always directing and always guiding. I may not be all that I want to be, but I do know that reviving my modi, strengthening my wairua, and holding on to them all fiercely is the only way that I choose forward. Kulusi Tokawingawa, I am not ashamed of the blood that I bear. I am the legacy of the lines of my whakapapa. I am the embodiment of my tupuna's DNA and wildest dreams. I am Udi of Atua, and so are you. Real Talk could be coming to a town near you, so check out the Real Talk website, www.realtalknz.co.nz, or follow us on our Instagram at real underscore talk underscore nz to find out where we'll be next. I got you real talk.